0: a witch in the woods? A curse on your camp? A haunting in your home? It's time to find out. Welcome to the Cow Hour. I'm your host, Briar. And I'm Nora. And this week we've watched Alien, released in 1979, directed by Ridley Scott, and written by him and Dan O'Bannon. To be a little more specific, the version I've watched is the director's cut, which has some different scenes which we'll probably get into as we go through the summary.
1: Did you watch... We started watching the director's cut but our DVD that we bought didn't have a subtitles option and the first, mm, I would say, half hour of that movie is fucking, like, uh, unapproachable if you have any any kind of, like, hearing, uh, like, parsing multiple sounds at the same time problems like I do. So we had to uh, instead just stop and rent the movie, which I don't know if the version we rented from Google is the director's cut or not? Uh, so there is like one
0: sort of big scene that is the thing introduced in the director's cut. Is it the um, wall? Is it the wall scene? Uh, where everyone's all gooped? Uh-huh. Yes, that is what is put into the director's
1: cut. That's what I was... I, I mentioned it to Autumn like four times and they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we will definitely get to that because it's in my summary. Ah,
0: but, before we jump down into a terrible, terrible future, have
1: you watched any movies, Nora? I have. Um, Autumn and I watched uh, Princess Mononoke. Ah, I've the heard of it. Right. Yeah, it's a Ghibli movie. I won't say that it's the worst Ghibli movie, but it's definitely in the bottom three for me. Ooh, I'm very,
0: very behind on my like, Ghibli watch. But I have enjoyed all the ones I've watched so far, so that's kind of disappointing. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: uh, I've enjoyed most of them except for three of them, which are *Grave of the Fireflies*, *Ocean Waves*, and um, *Princess Mononoke*.
0: I've seen none of those ones. Well, this one is like uh,
1: that's like that's like the really big one, right? It's one of the very big ones. It's it's pre *Spirited Away*, but um, it was definitely like it. Gained a lot of like fandom, I guess, in uh anime watching circles circa 1997 or whatever. Yeah, um, <clears throat> looks, looks great for sure. Um, just intensely frustrating. Uh, I'm not gonna do it too in depth because, um, we watched it for and then an airplane, which just recorded yesterday, so that it should be up at some point. I don't really know when, uh that podcast goes up i just listen to it get recorded <laughs> from the from upstairs uh but you, so you should all go to listen to that if you don't already which you probably do but um basically i was just intensely frustrated with the protagonist being like um endowed with this like power and agency and then opting not to pick a side when confronted with a conflict oh damn And then having the audacity to say, well, I tried to stop it when shit pops off. When, like, all he really did was say, hey, what if you didn't have a fight? Instead of picking a side or, like, acting to, like, address the um, actual conflict itself. He just is like, what if we didn't have any fighting? What if conflict wasn't happening instead? Um, Hmm. Which was frustrating. Uh, So... Yeah, that for that for that reason it is like near the bottom of my Ghibli list, my Ghibli ranking list. Um Grave of the Fireflies is at the very bottom just because I didn't find that movie enjoyable at all. Um and Ocean Waves is only slightly better by virtue of being shorter. <laughs> because uh that Ocean Waves is also a little bit um boring. You should go watch Poko or The Cat, not The Cat Returns, the first one, Whisper of the Heart. That one's a great movie.
0: Yeah, I want to get back to watching through them at some point. I just have a lot of things to do. And also, well, I have plenty of time
1: to do them, and I'm just very lazy and sleep. Mm-hmm. Not, not the, well. the secret to watching Ghibli movies is skimp the Miyazaki ones, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, aside from Ocean Waves and Grave of the Fireflies, every other non-Miyazaki Ghibli movie is just fantastic. Um, uh, just a bunch of great movies. The Miyazaki ones are good too, but like, don't don't let them, you know, be the center of gravity in that yeah in that list. Uh, other than that, I don't think I've watched any other movies
0: lately. Well, I have also watched a few movies, as I mentioned. I managed to pick up like a, a trial of some MGM service. Hmm. Um, and I have watched. God, what year was the, I don't know, the original Taking of Pelham 123, which is sort of a heist movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, tracks if
1: you're taking a thing.
0: Yeah, A, a Thing is briefly taken. Uh, and I also watched Fargo. Um, since I watched the the ne- some of the Netflix series sort of over Christmas, I wanted to go back and visit the original film. Uh, and I enjoyed both of those quite a lot. It was a lot of fun just to, like, watch good
1: movies. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Movies can be. Move, let me tell you, uh, as, as someone who just watched Alien this morning, movies can be fucking great.
0: <laughs> mm. I mean, as someone who watched Alien like a few weeks ago, uh, people are probably going to yell at me after this episode. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we should address that real quick. <laughs> oh, we'll get to it. Um, um, I looked at some pictures of the remake of Taking a Pella 123. a boy, does fucking John Travolta look. Very
1: silly in that movie. (laughs) I don't know of a movie where John Travolta doesn't look at least a little bit silly. That's fair. Ah, well. Right. Shall we get
0: aboard the Nostromo and head off? We should tell
1: people why this episode is late first. (laughs) Oh, yes. This Um, probably probably Some people probably listen to this and don't follow me on Twitter, but uh, the day we were supposed to record... I think it was the day we were supposed to record this. Um, Yes. I had to take my fiance Autumn, who was going to be on the, a guest on the show, to the hospital where she stayed for three days. Uh, they're fine now, but um, she couldn't make it to the episode today. But instead, he sent us a very long, very nice email. Uh, anyway. This is just gonna go up the next Monday after we record, and then we'll just keep going with our regular schedule. We did just kind of like not say anything um during the gap, but I think most people are are pretty forgiving about that, so
0: yeah, I feel like most people have, you know, maybe a few other things on their minds right now.
1: I don't know what that would be. <laughs> everything's fine. everything's fine. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm. I've got my spacesuit on. I've got my cat in a certified cat container, and uh, I'm ready to embark. Wow! Let's check out Alien.
0: Credits roll over a view of space and a dark planet before the camera finds Nostromo, a commercial towing spaceship carrying a huge refinery back to Earth. Half sterile white, half industrial nightmare, the Nostromo is crewed only by seven people who are awoken out of cryosleep as the ship's computer boots up and brings the systems back online. Over a meal, Parker and Brett try to discuss getting a full share in the operation but are snubbed by Dallas, the ship's captain, before everyone heads back to their duties. Dallas consults Mother, the ship's computer, and the crew eventually discovers that they are not at Earth as expected, after Ripley tries to call traffic control and receives no reply. Dallas explains that they have been woken from cryosleep around halfway through their journey. Mother has woken them up and tasked them with investigating an unknown transmission. When Parker protests, raising that they are a commercial crew and not a rescue team, Ash reminds them that they are contractually obligated to check it out. Otherwise, they forfeit their share of any money from the
1: operation. This is a really cool little scene. Uh, I think that, um, like, some of these characters have more character than others. And the ones with a lot of character get to show that very early on. Yes, I feel Um, like this is a good setup
0: for the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, Parker and Ash especially are like my favorites, I think, in this movie. Yeah, especially with sort of where
0: Ash's character goes later, <laughs> um, um, you can
1: definitely feel that here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that at the end of the scene, Parker's like, "Can I finish? Can I finish my coffee, please? Like, it's not even good, but <laughs> it's the only thing on the <laughs> ship that's edible."
0: Oh. <clears throat> um, yeah, I I feel like I, I wish, the movie made a little more time for stuff like this. mm Hmm. Um, instead of the thing it makes time for a lot later on, which is mostly just, like, panning shots and slow camera movement of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But we will get to it. So, Lambert plays the signal that they found for the crew and manages to zero in on the source, a tiny planetoid that is quite nearby. They detach the refinery and take the Nostromo down to investigate, somehow suffering significant damage in the landing process, and find the conditions on the planet fairly hostile. There's no response from the signal source, and after running an analysis, Ash explains that the planet's atmosphere is almost primordial. Uh, Keep that in mind when we talk about the design of this film's villain later. With the source in walking distance, Kane, Dallas, and Lambert suit up and head out into the heavy winds and fog to investigate. Um, I really don't quite understand how they managed to break the ship so badly.
1: (laughs) It... Like, Autumn was like, I hope this happens every time they land because there didn't seem to be any, anything out of the ordinary with the entire landing process. And then they talk about it a whole bunch and like about what the issue is. And I it just completely left my brain because I couldn't really focus on words at the time because like every dialogue scene is in a corridor with steam and stuff and like machinery, or it's multiple people talking over each other. It's like. It was really, um, like, uh, hard for me to, like, really focus on the beginning of this movie because of that, but...
0: Yeah, it does at least capture the feel of, like, oh, this is not, like, a a good, like, place to have, like, conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a noisy, noisy, messy place, especially when, you know, you touch down on a planet
1: and half a ship explodes for no reason. I like this part at the beginning that isn't in your... i don't think it's in your summary here um where ripley is having a conversation with the with parker and brett in a corridor with the steam everywhere and then after she leaves he just reaches over and like turns off the steam and that's like it's at first it's funny because it's like oh they were doing that just to make it antagonistic for her to like grill them but then he like reacts like, "Oh no, it's supposed to be doing that," and like fixes it back and makes it like spew steam again because that's what it's supposed to be.
0: <laughs> it's very funny of them all just like yelling at each other from a few feet away because the steam's still
1: there. <laughs> um, it's like yeah, like there's little pieces of like not even comedy, but comedy. I don't know. It's like it's just like little fun interactions with characters.
0: Um, I don't know, Ripley could have showed a little bit more a little bit more class solidarity here, I feel.
1: Uh, we'll get to that. I don't it know. definitely
0: <laughs>
1: It feels like the whole crew is kind of dismissive of Parker and Bratz. Well that's for, that's definitely the case because uh they are not they definitely have a different job. I don't know like other than maintenance, if like if that's just what their job is. Like I don't really know what everyone else's job is outside of driving the ship. Yeah, they um,
0: seem to, like, man terminals and stuff while Parker and Brett are basically responsible for, it feels like, all the mechanical work. It definitely yeah. seems to me that Ripley going down there isn't part of her job.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, well, what's she gonna do? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely, like, a divide of labor and pay there. Yes. Which um, is, you know, hard to separate from the idea the, of, uh, of race in this team of like where those lines are as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And it definitely feels to me in these, and we'll probably talk about this more when we get to the questions, some of which seem to like allude to maybe this like crew having been together a while, but it doesn't feel like that to me. They definitely feel sort of like rubbing off each other in the way that like new coworkers do.
1: There's definitely like some of them have been here longer than others. Yeah. Um. Or like, or or it's it's almost it it has like the vibe of being Uber drivers or something. where like, oh, we just happened to get like approached together for this job, and we don't always work together, but some of us have worked together before. That kind of thing, like that sort of gig based contract, because it is a contract thing. Like they have this job as their contract.
0: Yeah. So, the away team comes across the site of a large alien spaceship. They head towards it, their video and audio link to the Nostromo are getting progressively worse the closer they get. The alien ship looks almost biomechanical in nature, full of tubes and slick, rubbery surfaces. Um, quite, like, in difference to the Nostromo, which is, like, a very, very angular-looking industrial ship for most mm-hmm. of it. Um on a raised section inside the ship, they find the corpse of a large alien sat at some kind of telescope. It is unclear where his fossilized skeleton ends and the chair begins. It is discovered that the alien's bones are bent outwards on its chest, almost as if something had broke out from
1: within. This piece of set dressing is so cool, I hope they make a whole movie about it someday. Ah, oh, no, I can't imagine
0: that they would do that. They had to fight so hard to get this set piece in the movie.
1: Did... I don't know anything about the production of this movie. Is that true?
0: It was very expensive, I believe.
1: Ah, um, I think if they if they took this set and like added slime, I think they could you could make a movie out of that.
0: Yeah, I I just don't see it. Hmm. Oh. Well. Um. It is a very very good set piece, though. I. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I feel the sight of like oh this alien has been burst out from within would probably make me panic a little bit more than it makes these mm-hmm. these folks. Um, I think I remember reading something about them using children, like, as character doubles for some of the actors in this scene to make the scene appear bigger, which is oh. very funny.
1: Yeah. I want to see the child-sized normal suits. <sighs> Everyone should have
0: child-sized normal suits.
1: All the children. <laughs> it's the only good thing that we
0: can have. Um, Ripley has explained that Mother has deciphered a part of the signal and found that it looks more like a warning than an SOS. Meanwhile Kane descends down a tunnel that was discovered near the dead alien and eventually lands in a large open chamber. Kane explains that, and put another pin in this one, it feels like the goddamn tropics down there, and we see that the chamber is full of strange leathery eggs covered in mist. Kane falls down beneath the mist and takes a closer look at one of the eggs, finding it to have movement within. As he continues to investigate, the egg opens up and a creature leaps out and attaches to his helmet.
1: There's a very cool shot of the uh, alien inside the egg, just kind of twitching around. Just chilling,
0: just vibing. Yeah, he's literally
1: just vibing.
0: Um, I think there's also a small director's cut difference here. Um, he gets like a gun out during, in the scene. Oh. I don't think that's in the theatrical version. I think...
1: That wouldn't make much sense, because they don't have any guns. That's the whole deal. Oh, they have guns. Do they? Yeah.
0: Huh. They bring guns out with them. There, there is a line from, I think, Dallas, I believe, saying them to like, get the weapons out.
1: Hmm. I don't remember any guns, but...
0: It's definitely weird, considering they don't have them later. Yeah. So, after a long, quiet shot of the ship exterior, Dallas and Lambert carry Kane back to the Nostromo. Ripley questions them as they wait in the airlock, and they explain that an organism has attached itself to him. Ripley reminds them of quarantine procedures and refuses to open the door. But Ash goes over her head and manually opens it. Hmm. Um. Thanks, Ash. Definitely a a good, safe decision for the team. It was so strange that he would break protocol like that.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> so. He's just. He's just always covered in sweat and like. Uh, twitching a little bit and, like, just kind of nervous about the whole situation.
0: Yeah, definitely something strange
1: about that guy. And he's always (laughs) drinking milk, too. I don't know if he noticed that.
0: Oh, I mean, who isn't these days? (laughs) Uh, In the medical bay, Kane's helmet is surgically removed to reveal the creature gripping his head, its tail wrapped tightly around his neck. Parker, Brett and Lambert watch through the window, questioning why they don't just freeze him. Um, Good question. A question that is asked very often and never answered. <laughs> uh, Ripley storms into the corridor and is slapped by a distraught Lambert who accuses her of leaving them for dead, while Dallas tells her off for not following orders. Ripley protests and Parker briefly takes her aside. Meanwhile, Ash tries to remove one of the creature's fingers, but this just causes it to grip him tighter. A scan reveals that the creature has a tube down Kane's throat and is feeding him oxygen. With the possibility of him dying, should they remove it, Ash attempts to cut one of the creature's fingers off, causing a spray of acidic blood which eats through multiple decks of the ship before eventually stopping. This is a fun little scene with them all, like, rushing down through the ship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's... I love the alien. It's just... It's it's just cool. (laughs) I love the acid blood.
0: I, I feel a lot better about, like, this form of the xenomorph than the later ones, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Pro- probably because this one doesn't need to be a suit and it's just like a smaller thing. I feel it looks a lot better.
1: Uh huh. Oh yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a little more later. But um, the advent definitely. of CGI has really helped. I would say, um, yeah, the the xenomorph design.
0: <laughs> like of the two of us, I think I'm definitely the one who's more like stop looking at the strings person like Mm -hmm. i I watch fucking kamen rider several times a week like i'm fine with things looking cheap most of the time
1: no yeah i think like aliens is like way better with its use of suits than alien is i think that as much as i think this movie is great uh, the alien itself is still kind of goofy looking in the in yeah. this first one. I think by the second one, they've like, really managed to make it look a lot better. But um, yeah. yeah we'll,
0: we'll talk about that moment. It really throws me off the one on this movie. Uh,
1: is it when it does the thriller? <laughs> or is oh, it when it does the jazz hands?
0: <laughs> just about every time that's on screen, I would say. <laughs> <sighs> so... Brett and Parker continue making repairs to the ship as Kane lies in the medical bay, Ash still studying the creature. Uh, he pauses the screen on the image of what looks like an alien fetus as Ripley comes in to ask about Kane. When the topic comes to letting the creature on the ship, Ripley reminds him that he broke quarantine protocol, but Ash insists that as a science officer, this was his choice to make. Um, yeah. the, the like obvious fetal image is not discussed at all here, but like, damn, that is a quick thing to catch
1: i didn't even see it uh to be honest but
0: um yeah Yeah. there's just sort of right there and i
1: guess if you don't know
0: what happens in alien it probably is not a meaningful image Mm -hmm. well obviously
1: if you know what happens you know if you know you know this scene especially has um has ash drinking milk It's just a thing I noticed because of something that happens later, but it was just funny to see him drinking milk.
0: (laughs) He has a calcium deficiency, I'm sure. Something like that. Um. So Ripley, I think Ripley leaves after this, Mm -hmm. and then immediately comes back as Ash calls Dallas and Ripley back into the infirmary, where it is revealed that the creature is no longer attached to Cain. They search around and eventually find it dead, hanging from the ceiling until Ripley bumps into it. Ash. Co- I think there shoot.
1: was a time skip between these two scenes. Uh, I think there was like a uh, there was a slow shot to indicate time passing. Probably. It it isn't
0: felt very well, I feel. And that leads to my problem mm. with the middle of the movie. Because it's all like, we're in the infirmary. Okay, we leave for... Three, four minutes, we are back in the infirmary. We're out again. We're back in the infirmary again. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little piece of advice, Ridley Scott, you know, from one one artist to another. I feel you could have kept this in the infirmary the entire time.
1: Hmm, interesting. Um.
0: Where was I? Uh, so, they find the creature, ash cones through its innards, and convinces Dallas that they need to bring it back home to Earth with them. Ripley questions him, but Dallas decries any responsibility despite being captain. Um, Despite the fact that there are also some fixes remaining, he orders them to take off and the Stromo returns to space. Uh, During the scene where Ripley sort of chases after Dallas as she's questioning him, she pulls the whole thing where she's closing the doors in front of him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that will come back later. Yeah.
1: Uh, you could say that's a good ol' Chekhov's gun. People love those things. I think it's more just, like, foreshadowing, because I definitely wasn't actively thinking about that until it happened again.
0: Oh, uh, true, yes. That is the actual word. I've been hoisted. <laughs> um, so, they are back in space, and Parker is still discussing freezing cane, Nobody having any reason not to, but not doing it still.
1: Especially in this scene, he's like, if he's got a disease... We should stop it where it is. Yep. Which, like, yes. Very pressing. Um, Why is Parker not in charge? It's important to follow quarantine procedures, is what I will say. Oh, definitely. Ah, Lambert,
0: at this point, breaks the news that it will be ten months until they are back on Earth. Mm. Ash calls everyone back to the infirmary again. While well, Kate is awake. <laughs> His memory is fuzzy, and they decide to have one meal before returning to sleep. While eating, Kane appears to start choking before collapsing onto the table in pain. The crew attempts to hold him down as he arrives, and eventually a new creature bursts out of his chest, killing him and showering the others with blood. Parker moves in to kill it, but Ash intervenes, and the
1: creature escapes. couple of uh, all-timer moments in this scene. Uh, first, we have the alien pops out, and he's like, ah, And then uh, Lambert says,
2: Oh, God!
1: And Other it's way Ash... just the funniest line in the movie. It just, I can't take it seriously at all. I love it so much.
0: <laughs> the way Ash is clearly just like watching in interest as he fucking rides around
1: on the table. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we have the alien who pops out and then immediately just skitters around on two feet and goes. And just oh, it just it looks, looks so right out of there. Looks so have cute you,
0: have you ever seen space balls mm-hmm. yeah the fucking like joke alien and that one looks better <laughs> than this one does uh,
1: <sighs> it's been it's been a minute since i saw that but
0: the one in space balls doesn't dance
1: oh yeah comes with a little hat and cane
0: yep uh the, the one in this one just sort of glides that's <laughs> that's very silly So, a very brief funeral is held for Kane. Brett prepares a few electric prods for the queue through, and they split up to search for the alien. Parker, Brett, and Ripley accidentally find themselves hunting down the ship's cat, Jones, after it triggers their motion sensor. Um, And after scaring him off, Brett is sent to track Jones down on his own. In the process, he discovers a big old piece of shed skin, and then finds Jones in a tall, dark room. This is the most menacing fucking room you could have on your spaceship possible, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, unaware that the alien is hanging in the chains above him, just sort of chilling there. Um, you get like a written... I think this is only in the director's cup. You get a very clear look at it while it's hanging there. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of looks like it's floating. It's very strange um brett tries and fails to get the cat to come closer as it merely hisses at him as the creature descends and catches him off guard parker and ripley quickly enter but find only a trickle of blood falling from above um there's a bunch of like water falling down in this room which i assume is from like some cooling system or something but it's very cool yeah this room is weird and cool it's a really nice set piece i think they come back here later i think so um, yes, actually, I remember the exact scene, we all get to it. So, the remaining crew meet and come to the conclusion that the creature is navigating using the cooling ducts. Parker describes the creature as being the size of a man, to which Ash remarks that it is Cain's son, which is a <laughs> weird fucking thing to say, Ash. <laughs> Read the room. <laughs> Not here. Um, Dallas makes a plan to enter the ducts and drive the creature into the airlocks to vent it into space, with the help of some homemade flamethrowers that Parker can rig up. He enters the ducts, eventually reaching a point where the alien, according to the motion sensors, is supposed to be, and there is no sign of it, until the signal suddenly reappears, moving towards him rapidly. Dallas tries to escape as Lambert navigates for him, but his route is cut off when the alien suddenly attacks from a dark vent beside him.
1: And by attacks, I we mean it just bursts into frame and does jazz hands and it immediately cuts away.
0: Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> like You have this long, moody sequence of him moving through these vents with these incredibly menacing locks between them. Uh, and then it just sort of waves at him. It's like, ah! <laughs> um, the first time I met the creature the alien i believe it was i think it was at a universal studios like ride tour Mm -hmm. thing that took you through like sets of different movies i think it was at universal studios this would have been when i was about 10 um but there was a like a brief alien themed section where the the alien the titular alien our good friend does extremely like come down from the ceiling and abduct your tour guide briefly (laughs) <laughs> um, I think that you know little moment of live action cinema is far scarier than the alien is in the <laughs> movie um had not seen the
1: movie at that point was very scared and confused i hadn't see- look i'm I am a person who hadn't seen Alien until long after I had seen spaceballs, so that scene just didn't even make any sense to me at the time.
0: To be honest, I don't think (laughs) I had seen it either when I first saw Spaceballs, but at that point, I I think other things had made me culturally aware of what Alien was. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I grew up playing a lot of games that
1: just riffed on pop culture very, very, very often. Autumn and I were talking during this movie about, like, God, Metroid Fusion is so good. (laughs) It's just Alien, but if you took Ripley from Aliens and put her in Alien. Uh,
0: I have a copy of Metroid Fusion in my desk drawer right
1: now. Hell yeah. Keep it there, it's good luck. I think I will.
0: I mean, I'll probably take it out to play it again at some point. Oh, yeah. I, I assume it is still good luck during that process. hmm. Mm. So, Parker and Lambert investigate, but they find no body or blood, only the incinerator unit. Lambert suggests that they abandon the ship, but the shuttle, unfortunately, only has room for three. They make a new plan to act in pairs and continue trying to funnel the alien to the airlock. Ripley asks Ash if he or Mother have any more information, but he is reticent. I believe he says they are still collating their information. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, our good pal Ripley is now the captain, so she goes to get answers from Mother herself. She enters some... Extremely bad search terms. Like, come on, Ripley, you've used (laughs) Google before. Um, Before she manages to find the definition of a special science order that has been applied to their mission. The order has a single priority. Ensure the return of the organism for analysis. All of the considerations, including the crew's lives, are secondary. Um, Ash suddenly reveals that he's in the room, having soundlessly entered it, I guess. Um, And they he does attempt to offer an explanation before Ripley storms off. He then traps her in the common area and cuts off communications before attacking her, a trickle of white blood coming from his hairline after she struck him in Mother's room. After throwing her into a bunk, dazing her, he attempts to force a rolled-up magazine into her mouth before Parker and Lambert arrive to help. After being struck, Ash begins to flail around erratically, spewing the same white substance from his mouth, and further strikes, knock his head clean from his shoulders, revealing that he has been an android the entire time. Um, I do love the design of his innards, they are very interesting.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all like tubes with bubbles on them and stuff, it's very cool. Um, I'm not sure what the... do you know what was going on with the magazine thing?
1: I have no idea. Um My first like
0: instinct from watching was like, oh yeah, of course he's gonna suffocate over this magazine. But then I thought about that for ten seconds and that wouldn't work.
1: I I don't know exactly what it, what that is, but judging from like just this scene in general, when he is acting so erratically, I would have to wonder if he's not like that like acting up in his like full capacity.
0: Like his judgment isn't bad suddenly or
1: something. Or his circuits are damaged or something. Mm. I did also think maybe it was just like stopping her from making any noise. But that's probably better ways you could have also done that. I can look this up. And would you like me to look it up on the aliens.fandom.com wiki, the alienanthology.fandom.com wiki, or the avp.fandom.com wiki? Um, let's go with the anthology people. They have
0: the benefit okay. of, like, future sight into the franchise. Unfortunately,
1: surely. this one is not called uh, Xenopedia. Oh, dang. Um, an astronomer thing.
0: Ah, uh, it's, it's also, like, interesting how they went to the effort of, you know, setting up everyone's bunks in the in the set. Like, uh-huh.
1: ne- never see them used. Uh, uh this... <laughs> This synopsis says Ripley confronts Ash, but he attacks her and attempts to choke her to death with a rolled up magazine. Okay, I feel like there is airflow through a magazine, but sure. I have to wonder in that case if the, like, tongue or saliva is, like, the factor there more than the actual obstruction. Maybe. But if he was trying to choke her, like, dudes, got, easier dude's way. got hands.
0: Yeah. Um... I don't know if you knew near this, but you can kill people with your hands. My hands? Yeah, anyone's hands.
1: Damn. Just a fun fact. Can I kill somebody with your hands?
0: I mean, you could, but I'm very far away, so it would be difficult. Yeah, you gotta think about convenience, huh?
1: Yeah, that's true. I like that there's three different alien wikis. Do
0: you think they, like, have arguments and debates? Are they at war?
1: I don't think that there's enough passion in liking Alien in 2020 for that to happen.
0: No, probably not. I would like to think that they have small wars. <laughs> so, they take the heavily damaged Ash and reboot him in an attempt to question him for answers, but he has none. He simply tells them that they stand no chance against the alien and that they have his sympathies. Ripley tells the others that they'll take their chances in the shuttle, their number having conveniently been reduced to three, and they set off to prep it before activating the Nostromo's self-destruct. While Ripley gets distracted looking for the cat, Parker and Lambert collect canisters of gas for the shuttle's air supply. As Lambert checks the bottles, the alien appears before her and she is paralyzed by fear. Unwilling to use the flamethrower with Lambert so close to it, Parker tries to tackle the alien and it easily overpowers him and kills both of them. Still busy securing the cat, Ripley overhears the struggle on the radio and rushes to help, but it's too late. Uh, chalk up the first few deaths on behalf of this cat.
1: I don't think you can blame the cat. Well, people's love of the cat. Leave the, the cat alone. The cat's important. You don't want a, a bunch of Xeno of cats running around.
0: Three people die trying to rescue, like, in the, the course of this cat surviving.
1: Mm, I don't think you could blame the cat for that.
0: I'm not blaming the cat. I'm blaming people's affection and love of the cat.
1: I think the cat is maybe better than the characters. I guess the so. The cat's very important. It's a cat! So, Ripley rushes off on her own to activate the
0: self-destruct, um, which is a suitably involved process for once in a fucking movie. Um, and this gives her ten minutes to prep the shuttle and leave. In another part of the ship, uh, this is the the director's cut scene Mm -hmm. I was talking about, she finds Dallas still alive, stuck to some machinery in a fleshy cocoon. Brett is nearby also slowly being transformed into one of the creature's eggs. Dallas begs Ripley to kill him, and she washes the two of them down with fire. She then returns to secure the cat before stumbling into the alien in a corridor, where I guess he was just walking around. It's very funny how I think, like, when I think of how does the xenomorph move in my head I feel like oh it moves on all fours they just kind of rush really quickly um and I guess they just actually know they they walk around on two legs down here
1: if it's I mean this is future vision but you know it depends on what the host a, a creature is mm. these are, this one's made from humans
0: oh sure but I feel like even in later renditions of the human ones they are much much more agile, right? They crawl around and shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
0: whereas, whereas this guy just walks. And may- maybe this is like a, a secrecy thing. Maybe he felt like, oh, okay, I'm the last one. I'm the last one left, right? I can just walk.
1: I think it's weird. Um, the way that the aliens move in my head, um, just from like vague memory, is like, it feels like a human trying to show off every muscle in their body at once. That Um, is very specific. I know. And I don't know how better to explain it. Um, But they're like, in my head, they may, if when they are like full on screen, like just doing things, they are either like walking, but like hunched over a little bit and like, moving more of their body than they need to to move forward if that makes sense yeah. and like touching the wall slowly and like creeping through stuff and
0: in my head they are never just like moving towards you on the floor because that's like too obvious Mm-hmm. Um, they're supposed to be like super apex predators i imagine them like crawling along you know the walls the ceiling and that kind of business
1: I mean, it, it took 20 something years of Castlevania games for Dracula to figure out he can just step forward. So, you know. True.
0: Apex Predators. It's a pretty low bar. <laughs> <laughs> it is now my, ha- my head count. I know that they all do this when nobody's watching them. So They <laughs> just walk around. Yep. Uh, she drops the cat again and flees back to the self-destruct controls where she begins trying to turn it back off. I assume because she needs to buy herself more time or something?
1: Yeah, because the alien is between her and the shuttle and she wants to... Uh, She doesn't trust that she... My interpretation, at least, is that she doesn't know that she can get past it, so she was going to, like, turn it off, hide or wait for a while, or, or otherwise draw it out, and then, like, turn it back on and go, but... That makes sense. Shrug. Um,
0: unfortunately, she is too late to disable the self-destruct. She gets very angry and calls the computer a bitch. So, Ripley sets off running back through the ship to rescue the cat a third time before making it to the shuttle, where the alien is pretty clearly chilling between some pipes on the side. Um, <laughs> with one minute left, she sits down at the controls and flies the shuttle away from the stromer, just in time to save herself as it is consumed by several vast explosions in the distance. I've got you, you son of a bitch, she declares, not yet aware that she extremely did not get him. (laughs) Um, She gets Jones out of his box and puts him into a pot before getting ready to cry asleep herself. In doing so, however, she accidentally wakes the alien up and hides from it in a locker. Meanwhile, the alien sleepily sticks its tongue out and pulls it back in again. It's very silly. (laughs) Um, She watches as it stirs before putting on a spacesuit and heading out to face it with a grappling gun. Taking a seat at the computer, Ripley sings to herself as she presses buttons to vent different gases at the alien, which it does not like, or warm bit. It gets up to flail around a bit in the gas before Ripley hits the button to open the airlock, sucking it out, but it manages to catch onto the doorframe, holding itself in place before she shoots it with the grappling gun, which knocks it clear and leaves it hanging behind the ship when the line is caught in the door. It climbs into the thruster exhaust and is blasted clean as Ripley turns them on. She records the final log of the Nostromo and signs off before putting herself into cryo sleep with Jones the Cat, hoping to drift until the shuttle is picked up. And that is Alien.
1: I hope when I wake up, I don't ha- I'm not immediately thrust into adventure once again.
0: Damn, I'm so glad there was only one alien. I hope there isn't aliens. <laughs> <clears throat> this so movie's alien. so fucking long and slow.
1: Oh, we were talking about it as we were watching it, and it was like, this is a really breezy two hours. Um, oh, it takes so long. <laughs> This was a very enjoyable experience for me. Um it was long, but it didn't feel long. It felt like a 40-minute TV show, you know? Like a 48-minute episode like, of a TV show.
0: I really can't figure out why this movie doesn't work for me anymore, because like I usually like it when movies are like slow and take a while to like really give themselves the runway to like hit the landing that they need. And I like I thought, Kamen Rider looks very cheap. Most of the time, and I fucking love it i I am the one of us that liked chopping mall because of the silly <laughs> robots, right? Usually, I like it when things look goofy and but hair the alien just fucking like kills it for me. Hmm. I really do not know why this movie does not work. <laughs>
1: I honestly like uh, when I'm watching the movie Alien, the character Alien is the la- last thing on my mind. Um, like when it shows up and do- goes like, or does the thriller thing when it's churning from Lambert to Parker. Um, like it's goofy, but like mm-hmm. the I think it's, it's implication. Like really... Sorry, the like imp- the implied t- terror of this thing is is still palpable and like the gravity of it is still there, even if, like, the suit looks silly.
0: I guess. Um, For me, though, like, that implication, like, that tenseness that it builds up is ruined when it shows up, and it's like, look at my funny tongue. It has metal teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange. I think when it comes to, like, the length of the movie and the pacing, I think it's very much exacerbated for me by the infirmary stuff. I think Mm. if I didn't, have that as like a core thing to be upset with it wouldn't have stuck out to me
1: so much Mm -hmm. um the cut from fake head that we're playing with to uh actor's head pushed through a (laughs) hole in a table when they're (laughs) interrogating ash is so (gasps) obvious and so fun and that whole scene is so good because they make a second fake head because he dies with a different facial expression (laughs) See like this is the exact thing,
0: right? That is so obvious and so goofy, but it that works for me, right? Like that is funny to me and like enjoyable to
1: watch. Right, but I I I wasn't even like that See it didn't light up the bra- the part of my brain that is like ha ha like this looks goofy and bad, but I love it. It was just like more like I just really like this scene and like this character and I like the sinister android and the like uh effects of it just didn't register at all it's just that like it was very fun that that cut was so obvious um and I like the fact that they had to make a second head because he didn't die with the same facial expression so he has a goofy expression um in the second head as well. Yeah. I mean, like, that's because
0: it is a good scene. I think the android stuff with um, Ash, like, works really well. Like, that works for me better than the alien stuff does because that scene is so good. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the alien stuff falls apart for me a lot of time because we, like, see it too much, I feel like. And it stops it being threatening. When they... Brett dies, we see it, like, hanging above. And we know it is, like, slowly, slowly well, descending to him.
1: Hmm. It seems like maybe uh, you would have preferred the version of the movie that I watched.
0: The theatrical cut, <clears> yes. <throat> that has a lot of stuff changed to make space for the...
1: Like, the director has said, like, um, I th- here I think said this, Autumn was telling me about this, that um, he even... He was like... I mean, yeah, I did cut those scenes for a reason in 1979. um, Which is a a good, like, holistic approach to (laughs) director's cuts. Of, like, knowing that there's probably a reason I I made these decisions last time. But um, I'm going to undo them now. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I definitely didn't feel... uh, Like, I didn't... I don't think there were, there were as many shots of the alien in the theatrical cut. And, um, even then though, like you see parts of it, you see like the tail, you see the mouth. Um, they're not wasting that suit. They made a suit. They like the suit. You're going to see the suit. (laughs) Um, they're, they're definitely not going to let that suit get dusty, but
0: I kind of wish they didn't love the suit so much given its all
1: Yeah. Do you want to like do that first? Do you want to tackle that one first?
0: Um, sure. That's mentioned in one of our emails. So, do you want to actually go yeah, to that, and we'll sort of break halfway through that email and talk about it?
1: Yeah, let me let me pull up the emails because we got a few of those. We got more emails than usual this time, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and you can send emails to exportaudiopodcast at gmail dot com. So, Autumn wrote in and said, "Hey, sorry I couldn't be on the show." Today, I thought I'd write in with the gist of what I would have said anyway. Alien is one of my favorite movies ever, and I've basically been talking about it for eight years, so I basically already knew what I wanted to say. Um, When I first saw the movie, I was really drawn to the sexual horror element of it. There's a lot of phallic imagery in the movie, obviously. The scene where Ash is choking Ripley while there are a a bunch of naked pinups in the background of the shot is loaded with all sorts of imagery. It's not to mention the chestburster. But as I've gotten a bit older, I think that element of the movie is less interesting to me. I think it's throwing a lot of imagery around, but doesn't add up enough to... It doesn't add up to a lot for me. I don't want to say it's all there to be edgy, but it almost feels like that in some ways.
0: Maybe I'm just, like, dick-blind. But a lot of the phallic stuff I just just breezes past me. I don't know, is that.
1: I've never heard the phrase dick-blind before, but... <laughs> I think I just invented it. Um, <clears throat> I guess... Uh I It's like, like stuff I know is there, right,
0: in Horror Movies. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess I just don't notice it unless I'm looking for it.
1: I know that like the alien's head is a dick. That's for yeah. sure there. I can't not see that.
0: But I I do feel and, like and, to some degree people have a habit of just like pointing at anything like vaguely rod shaped and being like that's a penis.
1: And also like, obviously the the whole face hugger concept
0: oh yeah 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 that that definitely i, I get that one
1: mm-hmm. uh they go on and say as i grew out of understanding alien in terms of sexual horror i got really interested in it as a piece of cosmic horror um to my mind it was drawing on this tradition the xenomorph is this predatory force existing out in the cosmos the humans wake up by meddling and shit they shouldn't um without all the racism that Lovecraft himself drew on Or Mm. so I thought.
0: (laughs) So, remember how I I mentioned a few things that we should stick pins in? Things Mm -hmm. like uh, the atmosphere (coughs) of the planet being almost primordial. Um, Yeah. Like it being, like the goddamn tropics down in the area of the ship where all all the eggs were stored. Uh, You want to summarize this stuff?
1: So, um... Yeah, there's like layers, there's like layers to this. Um, so we start with, uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, who is a, um, was, I guess, Wikipedia voice was, um, a Nazi propagandist, and also semi-unrelatedly to that part, a, was for many years a sort of critically beloved filmmaker um you can see her influence in a lot of shit like the ending of a new hope has a shot that is just um i can't remember the name of the movie but one of her nazi movies basically um which is really weird uh but i'm not gonna do star wars talk right now um people basically do love
0: that fascist imagery
1: they fucking love it and she was a very influential filmmaker uh, for her work in Nazi propaganda and other such things and um she did some photography in the 70s of um of some uh African societies and the photos of uh people called the Nuba especially are like were used as inspiration for the alien, the xenomorph design, uh, the, like, adult form xenomorph design, and the descriptions of such, uh, like, of the, like, design process uh, that you can see on online um, are just really fucking racist. Just, like, really fucking racist. Um, This was brought to my attention through some tweets from Dia Lucina, Um, and if you Google, you can like find this stuff pretty easily. Um, it's just real, real fucking bad. (laughs) Yeah. There Um, are some, there are some quotes from Dana
0: Bannon here and they are
1: so gross. Yeah. It's like this, this part of it has like ruined this, like Autumn writes, um, learning this has ruined the movie for at least one of my friends and I absolutely get it. Um, The source of inspiration gets even more fraught when you remember that the actor inside the xenomorph suit in the first movie is a Nigerian man Um, worse still when intersecting with the uh, aforementioned sexual horror facet of the movie it's just it's just super fraught Um, and uncomfortable to like really sort of square away with the rest of the movie um yep and it sucks because it just it is just another like there are a million of these things right of like a thing that is like cool and popular and just built on this foundation of racism and colonialism and imperialism and all of these things that all this this ugly underside underpinning the things that we love and you know um it's good to like reckon with that,
0: <laughs> yeah, I just always miss you, like whenever you find one of those things, there is always people there who have probably been saying this for a long time,
1: oh, yes, for sure, there are always people who have been talking about it for ages, and there are also people who will just ignore it and will just like sweep that under the rug and not really care about it and uh tell you that you shouldn't either, and it's it's just good to keep that kind of perspective i think and like keep all those pieces in mind and recognize that a lot of the shit that we do like is built on horrible foundations yeah like i I
0: feel if you are going to be anyone that enjoys like media in general it is very important to understand that you can like a thing while still decrying like the horrible exploitation that is yes core to it basically I, i feel like you're doing you are doing like everything you experience a disservice if you do not engage with it
1: like critically. Yeah, and also like and this this goes beyond art, like look at how cell phones are made. You know? Like Yeah, and like he
0: this isn't stuff that you you have to strike a balance, right? You can't let this stuff just depress you. You need to let it radicalize you, right? Like both ends yes. are bad. Like, on one end you have the, like, oh, I just don't care about this. This It's not On the other end you have, like, oh, everything is so awful. How could I ever fucking do anything about this?
1: Right, and that second one is what, like, capitalist forces want you to be like. Like, at the very least, if they can't stop you from um, acknowledging that stuff, they will push you toward, like, being overwhelmed and unable to act on it. Yeah, like, if they can't get you to buy in... They can kill you slowly. Yes. Um That's what they're doing so, anyway, but you know. <laughs> yes. Um Anyway. All of that. There's there's more email from Autumn. Um Despite this, I do enjoy the movie a great deal. I still adore how it's split into two halves narratively by the introduction of the xenomorph. I love the slow plodding pace of everything, even the more actiony back half. I love the Wood of Star Wars was darker and had more computer to, computer monitors aesthetic. Most of all, I love the cast of this movie. I think the actors are all doing incredible work. They imbue the movie with a third with a third interesting interpretation. The movie is almost anti-capitalist. The movie wants you to sympathize with these humble wage laborers who are put into a deadly situation by capitalists. The movie centers the fact that they are wage laborers constantly, and how the capitalist pigs... Pigs? Oh, that's just Freudian on my part. <clears throat> the capitalist pits wage laborers against one another by, satisfy, by stratifying their work, as seen in Park and Brett talking about their pay... The movie doesn't quite get to, and therefore we should do away with capitalism, but I like that it at least says, wow, capitalism is super fucked up, bro. It's going to get even more fucked up in space. And I like that it conveys all this through one of the most charming casts in cinema.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> there is everything about the situation these people are for us such shit. Yeah. Do you know what is like a small thing that I didn't even really think about until we were regarding this? Mm-hmm. Um, The idea of aliens existing doesn't seem to be, like, news to any of these people, (laughs) nor does the idea that, like, people would use this to make money. Right. So it has clearly fucking happened before. (laughs) Yes.
1: And also, uh, there's a throwaway line right before that last meal where Dallas says, let's have one last dare before sleep. Uh, I'm buying. And so, like... Just like the offhand mention of like the ship has tons of food for them, but they have to pay for it also? Yeah,
0: (laughs) assumably it's coming out of that, like, contract of payment.
1: But But it doesn't like it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, this would be bad if this happened in capitalism, but doesn't actually like work in that space, you know? Because obviously it is a huge, uh, like, capitalist endeavor itself. Yeah. So, like, the, these things can complain about capitalism, can complain about, like, the status quo, but they, they'll they will never, like, push against it, really. No.
0: Still, like, a very expensive movie that people paid a lot of
1: money to produce. S- still a very expensive movie that relied on, like, hundreds and hundreds of people's labor to be made. Yep. And there's one guy's name on it. <laughs> um, I mean, there's the names are in the credits, but, you know. I know. We know. We know. Uh, Which email would you like to hit up next? We've got three Ah, more.
0: Let's read M's. I'll pick this one because I want to read the next one, and this one is very short, so I have to speak less. (laughs) Uh, Our friend M from over at Abnormal Mapping writes in and says, It's so weird this movie's launched a huge media franchise. Now that it's probably actually dead in a Disney world, which alien sequel or spin off is most your thing? If you haven't seen them, guess which thing is the worst? Um, before we get into our answers, theirs were Alien Resurrection is their favourite, and Aliens is the worst. Though Alien vs. Predator 2 is truly
1: wretched. Shout out to the Aliens vs. Predator 2 tie in PSP action game. I feel like I might have <laughs> played that. <laughs> You can have infinite uh, like health packs and stuff in that game to get you through the levels. It just docks your uh, hero points or honor points or whatever.
0: God, you know if they had called that like if they had called that your pay or something. Oh no, I guess alien versus uh-huh. predator. That's the alien versus the predator. You're not like mm-hmm. a marine.
1: No, you're playing as a predator.
0: The idea of the predator having his pay docked is also very funny.
1: But his pay is just people's respect. And like if he goes into the red, <laughs> then he's posting cringe.
0: I don't know if you've been on Twitter lately, but respect <laughs> is wages. Oh. Um <clears throat> For me, I think like the only ones I've seen are Alien and Aliens, and I do think Aliens works better for me. I just like the presentation of like these like who are our Marines
1: showing up and getting fucking owned. I have been told I think Alien Resurrection is my is my jam. I think that's true. I think that's the one that people have told me that I would like. Um I haven't seen it, but it it uh, my vague cultural awareness points toward either Alien 3 or Alien Resurrection as being uh the one that will be most noracore. Um currently of my of the Alien sequel or spinoffs? I really do like Aliens vs Predator, the first one. I just think it's neat. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that
0: or not. I was gonna say for my worst one, I hadn't seen it, but it is my understanding that in the um, what was the the weird one that happened most recently?
1: Alien Covenant.
0: That's that. That's the one that's like a prequel, right? Yes. It is my it understanding is... that in that they made the really big like alien thing that is in this one into like a suit or something that the alien is actually wearing. And that sucks shit. No, it should have just been a big bulky
1: alien. Cowards. I, yeah, I think I think that might have been Prometheus. Prometheus, yes, that's it. Uh, they did make an alien movie after that and it had alien on it in the title. And I think Ridley Scott directed and no one fucking remembers it. <laughs> Can't have been that good then. Or maybe it is and people have just stopped caring about Alien. I think a lot of people have stopped caring about Alien. But then again, a lot of people have never stopped caring about Alien. Uh, you can say that about any brand. I'm the person who knows the Castlevania timeline inside and out, so like I'm not, you know, glass houses. <laughs> I think Alien is more dead than Castlevania, though.
0: Probably, I could I would play a new Castlevania now that I've like played Bloodlines and I'm like up to date with what those games are, sort of.
1: You mean, Bloodstained,
0: Bloodstained—that's the one. Yes, Bloodlines is a different
1: Castlevania game that is one of my faves.
0: Yeah, now that I've played Bloodstained, and I like know what those games can be, can... oh yeah, i I'll play one of those. I really want to play Alien Isolation soon that would be too spooky for me i think
1: i'm a little baby (laughs) all right our next email comes in from jim uh who says hello i don't write podcast emails very often but i heard you were going to talk about alien which happens to be one of my favorite horror movies ever
0: these emails are like a hit list of people who are going to be like gunning for me once this episode goes out That's okay.
1: Uh, If any of them manage to take your head, they can be the new co-host. Well, I will try my best. (laughs) Um, There are plenty of factors that make Alien a classic, but getting into it decades after the fact, I was drawn into the crew's less than ideal work situation. They're all contractors for the company. I always felt like it was a mistake when this company was given an actual name in the sequels. Now, I do just want to
0: slide in here and note that Weyland Yutani is named in this movie.
1: Really? Yeah, it shows up on one of the computers, I think. I did not notice that. Um, They get put into a horrifying scenario with little to no warning, withheld information, and the explicit threat that refusal would mean lost wages. It's often said that horror casts are made purposefully unlikable, so we have an easier time when they start getting cut down. But through making it clear that they're all stuck in a miserable situation, it's hard not to instantly like them. Again, this is like... A really good cast, I think. They're they're very charming and very like fun to to watch hang out. Definitely, yeah. Like the second Brett walks off on his own, I was like, "Oh, Brett, yeah, buddy." The whole conversation about how Brett only just agrees with Parker is just very funny. <clears throat> Given how life has grown even more perilous for contract and gig r- workers over the years, do you think it's even easier today? To find camaraderie with the crew of the Nostromo, I'm approaching my thirties and having worked in two less than ideal contracts ever since graduating college. There, fuck the company position hits harder for me than it did as a kid.
0: Definitely, I like. I imagine when this movie came out, there were definitely people looking at Brad and Parker, right, as like, oh, why are they making
1: such a stink? Sure. Uh, yes, there were definitely cops in nineteen seventy nine. The, the, the eternal feature of society cops in space no one can hear you cops I don't know um yeah so I think that it is a more relatable thing in 2020 to like have a shitty contract um that you have to like work through and also like I last watched this movie over a decade ago And I definitely, like, I saw it, didn't register any commentary about capitalism. And then I spent a decade, like, just being a human in the world and always hearing that Alien was an anti-capitalist movie or, like, a, not satire, but, like, a criticism. And then watching it now as, like, a, a person with more developed ideology, like, sort of synthesizing this into, like... Recognizing that that has extreme, uh, like, hard limits of, like, what that uh, criticism actually is or would be. Um, But yeah, I I definitely, uh, this movie does resonate in that way differently now um, than it used to. Yeah, like, this is not stuff I remembered from having
0: watched it the original time, but revisiting it, even if it, like, is not questioning it and is just presenting it as the status quo for these characters, it is just, like, still very in your face with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. I'm always saying fuck the company. Always. Um, we have
0: one final email. You want to pick some
1: questions from here? Yeah. This one comes in from Tron. And I'm just going to dig through and find a couple of questions for us to answer. That's some good ones, yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the similarities and differences between the art design of Alien and the design of Star Wars? The Nostromo model is kitbashed from several parts that include R2-D2's legs and Darth Vader's TIE Fighter.
0: This I didn't know. I did also not know this.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Um, um, I thought i mention... As I say, I think a lot of the, the design of the Nostromo really like casts how actually like clean and hopeful a lot of Star Wars is. Into the yeah.
1: Line. And like the opening shot of this movie is just uh, like uh, in dialogue with the opening shot of A New Hope. Uh, this came out two years afterward. Uh, and it's just the, the upward angle on the big company ship. I, I love these. I love models.
0: Models are great. Models are real good. People should use models more. People should stop making things CGI when they don't need to be. Yeah. Shout out to Common Writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I love the design of the Nostromo. I I feel like you could even tie that into the capitalism stuff, right? How there is the the common like area, the very forward facing stuff that is all like stark white, very nice. You know the the face of capitalism, and then there is the actual, like, guts of the ship, the reality of being there, that mm. is, you know, like, a full-on industrial
1: nightmare. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the alien sitting in the chair in the alien spaceship? Would you have all liked to know more about who that uh, space jockey was? Nope. I love this as a question that just exists. Like, what <laughs> the fuck was this?
0: I hope there is never a movie that tells me exactly who this person was and shows me that backstory.
1: Yeah, I don't... Like, jokes aside, it's a cool set, and, um... It's so cool. Yeah, I like, you know, draw maps, leave blank spaces.
0: I'm like... I don't remember exactly, but... Do you remember the Bad Aliens game that got made a few years back? The Gearbox one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you come into a ship like this in that game, and it's... Even from, like, the first-person, like, video game thing, it is a very cool set piece. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how could anyone forget Aliens Colonial Marines?
0: It still entertains me to no end. There is like a one letter tweak in the like one of the files for <laughs> that game that fixes most of the AI.
1: God, I forgot about that. That's hilarious. Someone spelled a word wrong and just broke everything. Ah, oh. everything that we've made as humans is just a house of cards. Everything can crumble at the moment's notice. <laughs> Especially as someone like working in the video image, would that's the
0: most sobering thing to remember. <laughs> there is nothing I can oh. do that will top that. I I am fucking gold as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Briar's gone gold. Hell yeah. Uh
1: who's your favorite character?
0: Ah, uh, hmm. Parker
1: probably. Mm-hmm. He's fucking great, I love him. I think like I think Ash is my is my favorite. He's just he's such a fucking scumbag. Yeah, he's he sucks. He's so clearly shady the entire movie. Like I thought coming back to it that that would be more of a reveal or like twist, but it's so obvious that he's like hiding something and like is so eager to get down there and get that alien. Gotta get that yeah. alien. It's.
0: I feel that's why the reveal like, still works, though, right? Because, like, you know, oh, this guy's just, like, he's, he's like a company asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there is, I believe, a line in the theatrical release that, like, notes he was only brought onto the crew, like, before this mission. Yes, like, he was replaced,
1: like, two days prior. Um,
0: so, like, you know he is probably just here representing the company's interests, and then it turns out he's also a fucking robot. <laughs>
1: Because he's literally just representing the company's interests. He's not a person. He's just an avatar for the corporation. I would say he's still a person. I mean, he's still a person, but he's not a person. You know what I mean? He's not human. Yeah. Yes, but Alien is... Alien 1979 does not give a shit about like, android personhood as a plot point.
0: Probably not, um, now. I would... I think... They almost seem more surprised that he's an android than like that they have found some aliens.
1: Yeah, it's like,
0: which is like startling, right? Like, what does that suggest about the role of androids
1: in this society? They they almost seem annoyed. Ah, they sent us a fucking robot. Um, Parker's like outraged. There's there's definitely something going on, but I don't I don't know that even. People writing the script knew like what to gesture toward there. No,
0: like that's not something that is paid off in the later movies or anything, right?
1: No, I, I mean there's other there's an android in every movie, I think. Yeah, but
0: they are just presented uh, as like, oh, androids exist here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like the the theme of like are they people is like not even a consideration. But specifically, when I say that he's not a person. I mean that he is he is acting as a literal avatar of a corporation, not yeah. as an individual.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get that.
1: Yeah. I'm not saying that androids aren't people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, th- the way they react to it definitely makes me think at least, like, it's very weird for a, an android to be around and not, like, be known mm. in that way. Um, but yeah, like, none of this stuff is in the movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, and Autumn has talked at length about the comic adaptation of this movie being really good. I'd be very interested to see, like, if there's any differences there, or, like, if they characterize that at all in a Mm. different way in that comic.
0: I'm always wary of letting adaptations, like, warm me
1: back up to a thing. I would just be interested to see someone else play with these toys. I think that's gonna do it for this for our emails so what are your final thoughts on alien they go into the
0: infamy right? <laughs> and then <yeah. laughs> uh it's a good movie i still feel like even with all my issues with it but mm-hmm. uh, it is weird that they made so many of them i don't think it's that good
1: Hawk <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um <clears throat> Well That's
0: that's like fine enough.
1: I think this movie's great. Um it's like a weird space of like, oh that's a fantastic movie that I don't have like a lot of passion for. I could just look at it and be like, Yeah, that's a pretty fucking good movie. Um probably not gonna seek out to watch it again anytime soon, but it was just like damn, yeah, that was pretty good. That was like a real eight and a half, you know? Just, like, real fucking good movie. Um, Fucking... (laughs) Car Outside is Honking. I don't know what that's about. Um, I think it's very fun that we've had, like, two movies in a row
0: where one of them I really liked and you were, like, super lukewarm on. Mm-hmm. The other, think, the other way around. <laughs> the, the movie for you was the famous 79 movie, <laughs> Alien, and mine was fucking Chopping Mall.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see what happens next time. Um, I can see how this gets big and has, like, a lot of sequels, I guess. I can see how it gets a sequel. And then Aliens being such a different thing is what allows it to have more sequels because if Aliens was just Alien 2... I don't think there would be an Alien 3.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose... That's the there's the final girl aspect, right? Like, this is the thing that Alien kind of kicked off to some degree. Mm. Like, I think this is... If I remember correctly, it is because of Alien that we largely start getting that trope in horror movies. Interesting. Um, and the way that those horror movies, like Friday the 13th, etc., tend to, like hit sequel after sequel after sequel, I imagine also plays some role in Alien getting so many.
1: I know that it's kind of a hot potato after a minute. Like, it goes on, and there's a bunch of different directors who work on these Alien movies, and then there's, like, I think there's a pretty big gap between, like, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection, I think. And then, of course, there's, like, the huge gap between that and Prometheus and Alien Covenant, because now we're in a different, different like, uh, status quo where we're constantly like bringing back old shit and making new soft reboots of them. Yep. Uh, but, speaking of making a soft reboot, I'm going to uh, bring you over to Funko.com and we're going to look for Alien.
0: I now, do have do... to ask how soft reboots tie into this. Mm-hmm.
1: Because we're rebooting you into a soft plastic toy. Ah, okay. I guess Um, that's a good enough segue. Do you want to guess how many alien Funko Pops there are when I type in the word alien? 24. Well, page one is showing results 1 through 24 of 93. Yikes. Of course, this is all Funko products, not just Pops. Uh, So I will...
0: I do need you to count up all the pops and tell me if I was correct or not. Uh, let me see. Pop. Uh,
1: I'm clicking the pop filter. I, I tapped my pop filter. I don't know if that came through. <laughs> so, do you want to know all of the, the like number of results or the number of specifically alien related Funkos? I don't remember what your original question was. <laughs> you guessed that there would be 24 alien pops. Yes. There are now 33 alien pops. Damn, I was close though. Um uh, obviously these include things that are that have the word alien but are not from the movie Alien.
0: Yeah, I mean you said
1: lowercase alien. I heard you. Yes. <laughs> um Anyway, uh are, we are rating the, the first thing that comes up, as always, which unfortunately, Alien from Alien is the second result. Oh boy. Um, which means that the Funko you will be rating is a six-inch supersized pop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the
0: most cursed of phrases.
1: Um, That's some phallic imagery for you. <laughs> the Alien Queen. <laughs> From Aliens.
0: Wow, well, this thing looks goofy. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> oh, so, the first thing I do notice about this, this six-inch super-sized pop of the Alien Queen, um, is that it does exceptionally look like just a head with various limbs <laughs> <elevator>. <laughs> I assume it has a body, but from the angle it's presented, you absolutely cannot see it, and it just looks like a floating head. <laughs> Which is an interesting direction for the, the pop designers to go in, I guess. <laughs> um but it is it is mostly, you know, the the rubbery looking black exoskeleton of our Xenomorph foe. Um some like pretty clean teeth. Uh black and little little stained actually though. Not very white. This alien queen has not been brushing. Uh, though I suppose not many toothbrushes being made. For her size, acid-resistant toothbrushes. Capitalism truly fails to provide for us. Um, this thing sucks shit, Nora.
1: <laughs> what does it suck shit in aliens? Yes.
0: <laughs> this thing's How just you- like bad. I don't. I don't have anything like comedic to bring out from its design other than the fact that it is a floating head and it looks bad. How do
1: you feel about the alien queen from Alien vs. Predator?
0: Is that a different queen? I don't know if I've seen anything that's this predator. Is it funnier? Uh,
1: copy image. Ah. Here's an image of it.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Gosh, this is fun <laughs> Why is his mouth open so wide? <laughs> <sighs> oh, it's just hollering It's having a good time Yeah You know, I'm noticing a stark discrepancy In head size between this and the Funko Pop <laughs>
1: I do like if you scroll down on this page, you'll see the Ripley in Spacesuit Funko Pop, which is just the boss from Metal Gear Solid 3.
0: Damn, it sure is. Um, I do have to give my rating, obviously, to the Alien Queen first before we move into a assorted Funko discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, the head thing really does it for me. It's very funny. would never put this on my shelf, but would laugh at it any day of the week. Let's uh, zero Funkos out of five.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I will say that the trending value of the Alien Queen is $23. Would
0: not pay that. Also, it's out of print. Okay, so cannot pay that. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm looking at some of just, like, the Zenima Funko Pops, which also look terrible. That is too much, like, design they are trying to put onto a figure of that, like, size. Mm-hmm. They are, like, hyper-detailed. It's kind of gross. Um, yeah. but they also super go in on the skull showing through, which
1: I feel like was never that obvious. I don't know why this blue metallic xenomorph has a skull on the inside. Oh, I mean, they all do, right? Like, there is a skull oh,
0: underneath that hood. Okay. It just, it is a lot more difficult to see than that. It's supposed to be like a, oh, wow, like, shit, there's a skull under there?
1: But it's extremely obvious in these designs. This is completely news to me. I'm going to Google yes. this more. I've never noticed this. Let me look. I don't see a skull in there. There's definitely one under that. Uh, I have just been <clears throat> given a thumbnail from Google from a YouTube video called Erotic. Oh, sorry. That finishes it, I thought it said erotic, and then I clicked to make the word bigger, and it says exotic xenomorphs. The princess oh. alien. I oh. thought that it was going to be a horny thing. Linked underneath this
0: alien queen, there was a fungo pop titled Oram with facehugger, and this is too much detail for a pop. Stop this. Let me, let me link mm. this to you. Did you find it? Mm-hmm. This is, like not nice to look at <laughs> these things are supposed to be like low detail they're supposed to be simple like it yeah. it is so strange to me how much more detail these alien ones have
1: Ugh. it's bad they're not good to look at there's an 8-bit aliens Not a lot of them.
0: very strange very strange people over there at the phone call company making all kinds of bizarre choices Uh, Also linked here is a some Grand Budapest hotel Funko Pops. Not sure how they tie into the Alien franchise, but excited (laughs) to find out.
1: The most ambitious crossover event. (laughs) I think that's going to do it for our trip to the Funko Zone.
0: That's been fun. It always is.
1: Extra long episode this week. This is what happens when you send emails in, folks. You get more content. Yeah, we talk more. Yeah, uh, again, you can send in emails to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. Brian, where can people find you on the internet?
0: Well, wow, people, as always, can find me on Twitter at Weggazelle, and they can find uh, my tabletop games on itch. Hang on, let me find out how itch URLs work before I say something that is inaccurate. Okay, I was going to say the wrong thing. They can
1: find me on itch at weggazelle.itch.io. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. You can find everything I do at norablake.online which also includes links to my itch uh, account which is neitherNora.itch.io where I also have tabletop games you could play on there. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash export audio and give us money. Money's pretty good. Uh, I've I've been hearing
0: great things about that stuff.
1: I've been hearing hearing great things about money lately. Uh, shit's rough lately, so like I get it. But if like if you don't, we don't you know we don't expect everyone who listens to podcasts to go back the Patreon. But you know, support is always welcome and appreciated. Uh, you know, it's rough out there. <laughs> yep.
0: Ah um, well. If that is all, time is up for the car hour. Join us next week as we check out another nineteen seventy nine classic, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu: The Vampire. Until then, good night.
1: Good night.